Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, 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 all my sound checkers out there. If you could just check in with me and let me know how the sound is today. We had a massive problem on uh, Sunday that really messed us up and messed up the recording quality. You know I hate to do that. This is Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. I am the Ninja Pastor, and I am honored to be addressing you today. Um, The title, and my good friend uh, Jerry Summers uh, from Pennsylvania, Jerry from PA, The High Cost of Low Living and the Low Cost of High Living. The title of my show, Friends and Family in High Places, Low Friends in High Places. Friends and family, I'll tell you what, they can be um, awesome. No doubt about it. They can be awesome. They can, they can be the best thing ever, 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 ever. And you know that because you're a friend to some folks and a family to others. We all live in families and we all live around um I think friends and most of us would agree that sometimes friends and family, they're the toughest to live with or around. Sometimes we're the, we're the tough one. Don't you think? Sometimes we're the tough one. You ever been that? I know I have. I've not been the easiest to live with. I can tell you that. Sometimes friends and family, they're they're the only and the best resource you could possibly have. Truly. I guess you listen to this message today, you'll find out which one you are. Which one you are really matters, no doubt about it. Hey, here's a quick message. Hey, welcome to the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show. And this is the Ninja Pastor, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. I'm asking you something that I, I fail at asking enough, but I'm asking you to please subscribe to my site at theninjapastor.com, theninjapastor.com. Look, your donations are most welcome, and what they do is they allow me to continue my work as the Ninja Pastor, doing what we do here. Please consider a donation of $50 and receive my newsletter, plus a signed book that I wrote called Excellence Killed the Church. How Mediocrity is Destroying America. It's a critically acclaimed book. And my ebook, Living Through Grief on Purpose. I'll send that right now, right to your inbox for a donation of $50. Uh, in addition to the newsletter and books, donations above $500 will actually receive all of the above and 
my personalized bound and signed book of my favorite photographs that to me really reveal God's glory in nature and they affirm much of what we discuss here at the Collision of Faith and Politics and the Ninja Pastor. So what I want you to do is visit www.theninjapastor.com and subscribe and donate today. Thank you so much. I sure, I sure appreciate it. I really do. Hey, I appreciate you listening to that. Two of our most faithful listeners, Craig and Louise, they asked for prayers for uh, Craig and Louise's friend, uh, Rip Barnes, and his lady Marie and his best friend Chuck. Rip went home to be with the Lord the other day. Uh, he died from cancer, and he's a really great follower of the Word of the Word of God. Chuck lost his mother. The reason why you need to pray for Chuck is he lost his mother, girlfriend, and now he lost his best friend in the last six months. Man, what a heavy burden of sorrow. That'll be felt in celebration of life well lived. The bottom line is, man, oh man, is that a lot to lose. Great friends. Great family. Family. We send our, our prayers, and, and certainly if there's anything at all that we can do, uh, feel free here at the show and myself personally. I tell you, it's... Losing, losing that many people that are dear to you. His mother, his girlfriend, and now his best friend in six months. If you think of it, if living uh, through grief on purpose, my ebook, if that, uh, if that in any way can help, please feel free to let me know. I'll send it to you. You can forward it to him. Free of charges, no charge for it. I tell you, there's so much political stuff going on today. Uh, it's pretty, pretty astounding, quite frankly. I mean, just astounding. But, I mean, you look around and you see everything that's going on and you think, wow, you've got to be kidding me. How do we get through this? Sometimes you feel as though maybe you're you're a little messed up. You're under the weather. You're you're beaten down. You feel like, man, there's just nothing I can do. Nothing more than I can do. I, you know, I don't even know what to tell you. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Man, sometimes you, you 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 look around and you see all of what's going on in the world, your neighborhood, your community, your state, and this nation, wherever you're listening. And what do you cling to? What do you cling to? I to? You know, for me, it's it's family, it's friends. Family and friends. What in the world would you do without family and friends? A lot of people have to deal with that. Did you know that? A lot of people have to deal with it, and it's brutal. 
Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If you didn't have family and friends, if you didn't have people, these are my people, these are my team, these are the people that I that I roll with. This is my crew. This is my squad. Some folks are saying that the uh, that Sunday show is playing when you click on the, the link. You have to close out your browser and reopen it completely. Because if you don't, it'll be just a it, it'll it'll be a cache and it'll play the last one in there. So you do have to do that. That's just something you have to do. It's a blog talk radio thing. So close it out and reopen it, and you'll be good to go. And it'll catch you right up. The death of Lazarus, the friend of Christ. Talk about friends in high places. This is from John 11 through 44. Normally, you guys uh, will hear me say a lot of political stuff here on this show. I have to tell you, uh, I was very moved to uh, do otherwise. Just to do otherwise. Sometimes you got to do that. I will say this. There are a lot of rumors going on in Washington, and I'll tell you the truth. Most of the rumors are meant to uh, mess up our president, to distract him, to impede him from doing what he set out to do, what he promised to do. I say it's because those that aren't his friend on the right and those that aren't his friend on the left, they don't fear us. You got to stop being not not scary. Sometimes you just got to be scary. I mean what you say. John 11, uh, 11 through 44. This is the uh, English Standard Version. Usually I read the complete Jewish Bible. One of the things when you give a donation, one of the things that helps us do is it helps us give out Bibles. We give out, and we don't just give out, you know, cheap uh, motel-style Bibles. We give out a $60, cost me 60 bucks a piece, a leather-bound, top-quality, complete Jewish Bible. That's the one I usually do, uh, and but we give them we give them out. So if people contact the show and say, hey, you know what, Doc, I'd love to read the Bible. I can't afford to have a, a Bible. We send one out to them, no charge, no obligation. So that's one of the things that we do with that. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus, has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, 
If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. That's faith. That's somebody you truly depend on right there, right? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I want you to think about something. I'm going to interrupt myself here. Sorry to do it. Lord, if you had been here, first of all, it's a great statement of faith, but it's a little messed up in that we're humanizing, we're recreating Jesus in our own image by saying, Martha said, and we say it all the time, if you'd have just been here, if you'd have just done this or that. This bad thing wouldn't have happened. This good thing would have happened, and we'd be in a different place. Lord, if you'd have just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's a great statement of faith because she felt like, hey, your presence alone. But she was stuck in the natural. The natural says you got to be here. You got to be right there. You got to do it a certain way, look a certain way. in order for this to happen. In order for this to happen. Isn't it something? Isn't it something? Man, I don't know about you. It's that's powerful. Great statement of faith. You know, we, a lot of times we just, I don't know, we, we find ourselves in this really weird place because we measure God against time. We measure God against place. We measure God against what we see. That's possible. And you know what? We do ourselves a disservice. We do. We do ourselves. We mess ourselves up. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Man, amazing. I know he's dead, and I still know that you can fix this if you want to. Even now, even though he's dead and he's been dead for four days, I know you can fix this. I know you can turn history around. I can, I know that no matter what you, no matter, no matter what the circumstance, no matter how bleak it is in the natural, you can turn it around. And it doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be like this. But even now, man, have you ever been in a dark situation? One of the darkest situations of your lifetime. It's one of the hardest situations you've ever, ever been in. And then all of a sudden, light shines. The light shines, and here we are in the midst 
of a situation that can only amaze us because it doesn't fit reality. Doesn't fit reality. It is very difficult for us as human beings, and, and I'm I'm human too, so I, I'm in this boat when I say these things. I understand they apply to me. I really do. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm saying it absolutely does. But holy moly, man. What happens? One of the folks in chat says, careful what you ask for. Sometimes God will rock our world. Even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now listen to this faith and knowledge of scripture and knowledge of the teachings she received at the foot of the master. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, man? Talking about asking for the sale. Directly after saying, this is how it works. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Doesn't matter what you can recite. Doesn't matter what you can read. It matters what you believe. And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into this world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Now, I don't know if we just got to skip over on that verse from 27 to 28. Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. Maybe they felt like we didn't need to hear it. But one thing I didn't read is, hey, Mary, from Jesus, go tell Mary, or hey, Martha, go tell your sister Mary that I'm here. Tell her I'm calling for her. Maybe Maybe Martha added a little bit. The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Listen, when the master calls you, you got to know when the master calls you, you got to come to your feet. Stop doing what you're doing. Don't be tied up with stupid stuff. Nothing matters more than a meeting with the master right now. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village and but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And I want to say this, if you've ever been to a, uh, if you ever sat Shiva uh, with someone, a Jewish person, a family, you take it seriously. It's a real deal. There's a whole process. Sitting Shiva. It's an honor to be invited. And when all those people are there in the house trying to console her and, and do all the things to do when you sit Shiva, when they see the person, the, the, the close family member, rise up and quickly 
go out. They follow her. What in the world? Maybe she's going to weep there. We'll weep with her. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Mary had the same faith that Martha did, her sister, if you'd have just been here. If your proximity had been local, if you'd been more proximal, if you'd been more proximal, My brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? He said to him, Lord, come and see. Now, I want to say this about that. We all need to understand completely. We all need to understand completely the Lord didn't have to ask where he had been laid. He also didn't have to go to where he had been laid. He didn't have to ask where he had been laid. He didn't have to go there. He didn't have to do anything more than speak him into life. But you see, that's how they thought. They thought proximally. And the great teacher didn't say, well, I'm going to work it this way. He understood his audience. He helped them understand through speaking in a way that they would understand, proximally. John eleven thirty five, 35, the most famous verse in the Bible just about because it's so easy to remember. Jesus wept. Hold on now. Let me ask you an important question. Jesus wept? What do you mean Jesus wept? Why in the world would Jesus wept? weep? Why would Jesus weep? He knew that he had the power, the ultimate power. To lift his friend Lazarus, whom he loved, out of any problem, no matter how severe, Jesus wept. We'll find out why in a moment. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? I want to ask you a quick question. Maybe this has occurred to you at some point, sometime around when you've been reading scripture or heard the story, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man? In other words, he gave sight to the blind. They knew this because they followed him. They saw him. They heard the rumors. They, 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 they heard the testimony from people who saw, and many of them saw him open the eyes, and maybe one of the blind men had been there. They say, hey, if he can give sight to a blind guy, couldn't he keep a man from dying? What an amazing leap but they were locked within the natural and they couldn't see outside of it. That's how we are. My friends, that is how we are. We're locked into what we believe is possible. I don't believe, myself personally, I don't believe that there's any limitation with God. None whatsoever. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. My friends, that's a reality. Sometimes we stink. When we're dead four days, we stink. That's a reality of life and death. A good friend of mine reminded me, nature doesn't care about you. Nature cares about nature. 
Nature doesn't care about you. Listen, you go into Alaska. Go right on into Alaska and wander around not knowing anything about bears, not knowing anything about moose, not knowing anything about all the other animals that can do you in. Go ahead on into Alaska and walk on ice without testing it. Go ahead in there and don't have some way to fend off those giant mosquitoes. See what happens to you. Nature doesn't care about you. It happens. That's the nature of things. When you're dead, four days, you start to stink. Again, Martha was connected. The sister, she's the sister of Lazarus, the dead man. She's connected. Whoa, are we sure we want to open this? Now, wait a second. Just a few minutes ago, she said, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. The crowd said, if you'd have been here, Surely you could, look, you can make blind people see. Surely you could make this, could have made this man not die. They were thinking, make him not die, not raise him again. They were thinking, make him not suffer through this sickness, not, hey, you know what? I'm going to bring him back within limitations, my friends. Our limitations, they don't belong to Jesus. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you? That if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. My friends, it doesn't get any clearer than that. The father is the one who unbinds and releases us no matter how dark. No matter how bad, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Man. He was bound by, listen, some people like to say, and these are always atheists or weak believers. They say, well, you know, it was a cave. Maybe somebody left some food in there. Maybe this is a little trick. Maybe it's a little trick. We don't know. Maybe they left them a sandwich in there. Maybe they had a little bit of fountain Coca-Cola or some RC Cola if they were lucky, southern part of Israel. Maybe some round-the-world peanut patties and some moon pie, something like that. Maybe some corn on the cob with some butter. I don't know. And then he lived in there for a little while. Take this all out. It was a trick. It was a trick. No, it wasn't. He was bound up. He was bound for death, just like you and me. He was bound for death, linen strips and face wrapped with cloth all around him, couldn't barely move, but he found a way to get up because when the master calls you, you don't wait around, just like his sister, unbind him and let him go. The man who died, he was dead. They saw him dead. Man, I 
just don't think you get any more powerful than that. I just don't think you do. I really don't. Give this a quick listen. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, let me take a quick break to mention one of our friends, The Log Ox, www.thelogox.com. The Log Ox Hauler, what that is, it's a product specifically designed to make hauling, splitting, and stacking firewood much easier, more efficient, and safer. Better on your back. The Log Ox Hauler is also one of the, it's the basis of the Log Ox 3-in-1 tool. The Log Ox 3-in-1 tool, that expands the Log Ox Hauler by adding a cant hook and a timber jack into one ergonomically designed tool to assist you with cutting up and hauling fallen trees out of the woods with ease. Manufactured in Warrensburg, Missouri, the Logox includes a lifetime guarantee against defect and a 30-day money-back refund policy if you're not completely satisfied. All American, all veteran-made. Contact my friend and fellow veteran, Austin, at www.thelogox.com with questions or to buy it online. Again, it's www.thelogox.com. Please mention the ninja. You know who I am. Come on. You know who I'm going to say. The Ninja Pastor. Mention the Ninja Pastor when you order. You're going to receive a $25 off savings immediately. That's awesome. You know what? Few families have been more honorably distinguished than that family of Bethany. That's where they were, just a little bit from Jerusalem. Two sisters and one brother. This is what this household was made up of, is two sisters and one brother. Listen, the names of Martha and Mary, they're going to be handed down for all of time. There's going to be a fragrance, a holy fragrance about them. The the respect for Mary and Martha and Lazarus is is time-honored. Obviously, all those listening to this message, you've, you've heard of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We have people that listen from all over the world, and I can tell you, I know for sure that you've heard of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I've had to have a lot of speech therapy. I'm supposed to still have more. Um, after my crash, and I couldn't say Lazarus, I could only say Lathereth. Couldn't say it. And what's funny is because my brain injury, when I would say S W O R D, sword, I would say sword. Even though I knew it's not sword, I couldn't tell my brain. Now, there's still some words I mess up and some phrases and stuff, but Lazarus, I like to say it now because I can say it right finally. But I got to tell you, man, did you not notice Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus? That was somebody that Christ really had affection and esteem for. Came all the way there. You know, my friend Jerry said it really beautifully in the beginning. I quoted him. The high cost of low living and the low cost of high living. Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something right now and right here. Friends. In high places. Friends in high places. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had a friend like no other. Look, here's the reality. Most folks who have been unexposed to wealthy, well-resourced people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they were, they were doing all right. But they were people of faith. But even people that are wealthy, even people that are in the right situation. They've got a home. They've got security. Maybe they have good health insurance. I don't know what. Even those families are exposed to sickness, sorrow, and death. Disease 
invaded this circle. Disease invaded this circle. Man, Lazarus got sick and then he got worse and worse and worse. And he suffered. He suffered with great pain. And then death came. And it terminated all of his sufferings. Man, I wonder if you've ever thought of this. Jesus, or Yeshua, as his real name is, delayed his visit. Even though he'd been told about the condition of his dear friend, look, he loved this dude. He still delayed his visit. Listen, I don't know if you've ever received that call. I've received it. The early morning, your brother's not going to make it. If you want to see him before he goes, hurry on up and get down here, an hour and a half drive. I didn't jump up and take a shower. I didn't go through. Now, what shall I wear? What am I going to wear for this little quick little jaunt down here? Let's see. Mm, should I wear my pants? How about my shorts? Well, it's kind of warm. Maybe I like to wear my shorts. Jean shorts? No, I think that's a little underdressed. How about, how about, I got some pleated shorts, a little old school. Why not? Hmm, sandals? Should I wear my sandals? How about I wear my sandals? Nah, nah, nah. Well, no, wait, hold on a second now. Which sandals am I going to wear? Should I put a little brill cream in my hair or just a little spritz of water? Straighten it up a little bit. Calm it right down. Hmm. I better brush my teeth. Which toothpaste do I use? The natural one or the regular one? I don't know. Good lands. Maybe I should stop and get the truck. No, there's no car wash open right now. I don't want to go in there with a dirty truck. <laughs> I remember my mom when, when my sister in law Lynette was pregnant and, and and she went to the hospital and we got that call and because the, the phone was right in my room i picked that phone up quick we knew it was any time i picked that phone up and she said we're headed to the hospital we're over here at the hospital man i ran downstairs and told mom 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 let's over there at the hospital we better get going no mom cleaned she did i kid you not she cleaned Cleaned up the kitchen. She kept it clean all the time, but she cleaned up a little bit, did a little bit of this and that, gathered up some stuff, made some food, packed it up, got a blanket. Then it seemed like the slowest drive ever. Now, my mom, if you know my mother, oh, Louise, she doesn't drive slow. She may be little, but she's mighty. She has a hardcore right foot, and she puts it right on down on that gas pedal. But this time, she wasn't in any kind of hurry. I thought, my mom, I didn't think it. I said it. Mom, what in the world? we got to hurry up and get there. We're going to miss the baby being born. No, it'll be all right. Sometimes you don't need to be in a rush. Sometimes we don't need to be in a rush, right? My goodness. The master knew. The teacher knew. Jesus knew. He said, man, I'm in no rush. I'm going to show you a little something. Look, there's two main ideas in this text, and I don't want you to miss them. The true character of Jesus Christ's disciples and a beautiful metaphorical representation of death. Now, here's the true character of Jesus' disciples. They're his friends. Have you ever considered that they are his friends? Really? Folks are telling me I never thought about that. Man, he, he hung out with these boys. He This was his crew. This was his squad. He handpicked each one. 
They rolled out everywhere they went. They shared food together. They washed each other's back, nursed each other's wounds. So you walk all around a place like Israel, you're going to get some wounds. It's a rough place. And these were Christ's friends. But you know what he called? Jesus called Lazarus his friend. He said, our friend. Referred to him as our friend, Lazarus. You know what? When we believe, Christ names us his friend. Can you imagine? Even Abraham was called a friend of God, John 15, 14, 15. My goodness. I just don't think you get any better than that. I don't think you do. Being called the friend of Jesus, friend of God. Come on now. He called Lazarus his friend. Abraham called the friend of God. But you know what, these friends, I want you to understand something. They weren't always called his friend. Not They weren't called his friend by birth, not by other education. The Bible says once they were afar off, they were alienated without God, enemies of God. How did they become friends? Did one of them make a good hoagie or a cheesesteak? Nice pizza? And they happened to be somewhere, and they said, hey, well, you want a piece of pizza? Who made it? I made it. Get out of town. You made this pizza? Let's sit down and have some. Let me a little birch beer with some crushed ice. Not that rank crushed ice. The really good stuff. And then, then maybe they... Maybe maybe have maybe some cheese fries or regular fries if they're crinkle cuts done a little crispy. No, no, that's not what happened at all. That's not that's not how it happened at all. Listen, if you want friends, I tell people all the time when I used to counsel folks. Uh, listen, if you want to have good friends, you had better be a good friend. You had better be a good friend. You are not going to have very many good friends until you become a good friend. But how did they become his friend? Because they accepted the reconciliation offered by the gospel. The truth, the truth of the gospel. Gospel reveals the divine system of reconciliation. What's it do? Through the gospel, now how we live in this world, where we live in this world, there's hardly any place on this planet that you can't pick up the word of God and read it in your own language. My goodness, if you can't read it, you're blind. Guess what else you can do? You can press play on an audio book and listen to scripture. It's published. We're urged to embrace the divine system of reconciliation. We beseech you to be reconciled to God by faith. Sinners like me and like Lazarus are accepted into God's favor and family. And that day, that day that you place your faith in Christ, you say, I believe. I believe this. And I'm going to live like it. I'm going to still have my hurts, habits, and hangups, but you know what? I'm going to believe. In Christ, 
the vacated cross and the vacated borrowed grave. I believe in that. That day, that very day, your friendship with Jesus begins. This friendship is connected with great immunities and blessings. You know what? He reveals his will to his friends. He does. If you have a relationship with God, prayer is a conversation, not a speech. A conversation, not a speech. Good friends converse. It's not all one or the other. You have a you ever have a friend? Now, if you're friends with somebody that talks a lot, now I talk a lot. And your other friend talks a lot, guess what? There's gonna be a lot of interrupting, there's gonna be a lot of bumping into each other. That's how it works. It's all right. Real true good friends don't they laugh. No, you go. No, you go. And then everybody's quiet for a second. And then they start up again and they're interrupting each other. Conversation. You want to know what God's will for your life? Keep talking with him. Keep communicating with him. And you know what else he does? He communes with his friends. You know what? You're not going to, if you don't ever get together with your friends, if you don't ever communicate with your friends and you don't ever get together with them, guess what? You're not going to have a friend much longer. Oh, they may think well of you. They may think well of you. Sure. Absolutely they do. I sure miss my good friend, Sean. I sure miss my buddy. Oh, do you, you still get together with him and hang out with him and come see him? No, I don't. Well, do you know what happened to Sean? Sean was in a terrible crash. Yeah, I, I heard. Did you go see him? No, I didn't. That can create a fracture in your friendship. Because you think, man, if I matter to you, you come. Jesus never fails to come through the Ruach HaKodesh, which is the Hebrew for the Holy Spirit, never fails, never fails. He communes with us. You know what else he does? I think this is interesting. He blesses, keeps, and saves us. His promises and ordinance are all. Bible says all are yours. Every promise he made, every single one said they're yours. He said they're yours. Man, you imagine. Boy, that's a friend in high places. All are yours. That's all. Not a little bit of all, every bit. This friendship with Christ, it'll be made manifest. Listen, we're we've got to manifest this friendship with Christ. We can't be chickens to say who we believe in and why. I'm not talking about a big speech or a big sermon. I'm talking about, listen, people will ask me to come all over the country and speak, and I do so. If you're listening to this program and you want me to come to your church or your organization, I will happily do so, no matter where, all over the United States. It'll be my pleasure. But you know, here's the thing. Here's how you manifest it. You profess Christ. You profess Christ. You don't make it a secret. I don't care what kind of workplace you work in. Maybe they're very, maybe they're very anti-Christ. Maybe they are. Maybe they're very anti-Jesus. Maybe they're very anti-religion for whatever reason. Doesn't matter what the reason is. What matters is they are. Do you profess Christ, your faith in him, even in those places? 
friends do that. Friends don't hide their friendship. They're proud of it. I remember when I was a kid, I have a great friend. Uh, we, uh, we've been like brothers, really and truly, since I was just a young kid. And you know what? Sometimes people, when I was in school, didn't say very nice things about my friend because, you know, he was hard worker. He was into computers before computers were cool. And he was one of those people that told you what he thought. He was who he was. It was real. Nothing fake. And he worked hard on our jobs. We worked together a lot of times and he worked hard in school. And sometimes people didn't say very kind things. And, you know, I don't, it's going to be hard for you to believe folks that have heard me speak or have seen me live. And, and, and I'm kind of a big guy now. And, uh, but back then I was tall, but I was skinny, a bean pole. I was a skinny, skinny thing, but you know what? I didn't care. You don't talk that way about my buddy. I profess my friendship. I said, that's my friend there. You want to talk bad about him? Well, you're going to do it at a cost. There'll be a fee. No matter the cost, we shall profess Christ. You know what? You've got to entertain Christ. So how you make it manifest. You say, well, I don't feel him in my life. You know what? You've got to entertain him. Listen, when you're going to entertain somebody, you clean up your house a little bit, clean up the living room, pick up the kitchen, maybe wash the dishes, run the vac, run the sweeper, run the hoover, as my Brit friends say. You're going to hoover around a little bit. Got to entertain Christ. But you know where we do that? We entertain Christ in our houses and in our hearts. It's a fact. We've got to honor Christ. We've got to obey him. We've got to make his interest our interest. We are to prefer Christ above all other things. We are to extol and recommend him, to testify to him, no matter the cost, even if those friends, especially if those friends, are talking bad about our friend, Jesus. Friendship with Christ, it ever includes affection for his people. Christ said, not my friend, but our friend. A good man will love all good men. And the spirit of goodness and love pervades the whole Christian church. Every believer is within one holy spiritual bond of grace and mercy and peace with Christ. That's what unites us. You know, we fight over pew, uh, what type of pew to have, chairs or pews, what color carpet, what kind of piano, what kind of music, this, that, and the other. We fight all that stupid stuff. If we were truly spiritually bonded together as brothers and sisters in Christ, through the grace, mercy, and peace with and because of Christ. We wouldn't have so many first this church, second this church, third this church, church on every corner, fighting each other. You know, it breaks down to this. This is the truth. This is the great badge of Christianity right here. By this, they shall know them. By this, they shall know him. By this, by the this is us. This is how we live. This is how we act. It's a fact. You know, the text contains a beautiful metaphorical representation of death. Our friend Lazarus, this is King James, our friend Lazarus, Z Lazarus, I spoke too soon, didn't I? See, that's how brain injury works. It, it, I'm telling you, sometimes I can't tie my shoes. I can just look down at them. I go, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> this is an example of it. Our friend Lazarus 
sleepeth. You know what that metaphor sleeping? You've got to understand Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew culture, worldview, all of these things. You've got to understand those things. You've got to get in a little bit of study on Hebrew because that's the original language. That's the language of Christ. The culture. You've got to understand the who, what, where, and why, and who. I know I said who twice. Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. This is in reference to Moses. Thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. Deuteronomy 31, 16. Thus to Job. For now, saith he, shall I sleep in the morning dust? Shall I sleep in the dust? And thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. So Daniel, he says, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. So the apostle speaks of those who sleep in Jesus and whom God will bring with him. So Christ in his resurrection is said to be the first fruits of them that slept. Hebrew idiom, idiomatic speech of Hebrew. Just a little bit matters. All of it matters. Now I want you to see this, the striking resemblance between sleep and death. Now, you know, I don't sleep very well. I'm going to be real honest with you. I don't sleep real well. It's one of the things that's killing me, literally, not just figuratively, literally. If I don't start finding a way to sleep and rest my body and heal, I'm going to die a very young man. It's just a fact. My blood pressure is unsustainable all the time. My body doesn't heal. I've got a lot of injuries. The brain needs rest, and I don't get it. So when I tell you, I understand the need for sleep and the closeness of sleep and death. See, some of you may or may not know, and I didn't find this out till I think two years ago, that crash I was in, April 12, 2012 at 618, I died. Two firemen separately took my vitals and said, he's gone. And they called in a double fatal. Went out over the radio. He's gone. They checked my vitals and I was gone. I was, I was treading that close, razor-thin line between sleep and death. There's a striking resemblance between sleep and death, my friends. Striking. The eyes are closed. The ears are sealed. You don't hear anything. All of our senses, they're suspended. I'm sure you don't smell anything. I don't have a near-death experience. I was just gone for minutes. And then, for whatever reason, God saw fit to bring me back. I don't know why. When you're sleeping, you're breathing slowly. Your body warms. When you're dead, you don't breathe at all, and your body cools. That's the indication between one or the other, sleep or death. Folks, that's the image of death. Cold and dark and final. Sleep is the state of quiescence and repose. We're, we're, we're quiet. Our life is quiet. Now, some folks aren't so quiet when they sleep. They snore. Rattle the shutters right off the front of the house. Wake the neighbors. But you know what I'm saying here. Quiet. At least they're quiet. They think they're quiet. And repose. You're in your little position. I change positions constantly when I sleep. When I'm trying to sleep. I, I move all the time. Trying to find that position. But most folks, when they sleep, they, they lay in one place and they wake up in that place or something similar. They're not doing a bunch of stuff. The, the, the toil of the day is over. 
when you fall to sleep. Your fatigue is little by little, moment by moment that you're in that deep sleep. Your fatigue is being replaced by energy. There's no activity going on. You're resting your body and your mind. All energy, all labor, they end when you are sleeping for a while. But when you are dead, it is over and it is final. Sleep is, in the Bible, it's often identified with night. They sleep, sleep in the night. I must work while it's called day. And then the euphemism Hebrew and in scripture is to die is to lie down in darkness. Job 10, 21 and 22. You know, I talked about sound sleep. When you are deep in sleep, I mean soundly asleep, beautifully soundly asleep. Sound sleep is incompatible with suffering, weariness, pain, anguish. They're all forgotten in sleep. Wow, what a merciful thing God has done in giving us deep sleep. Oh, how I yearn for it. I tell you, you don't, you don't value sleep until you can't sleep. The mercy of rest. It's that way in death, my friends. It's that way in death. All suffering of the body ends. All care is left as distraction. No worries and no pain anymore, you know, when you die. I, you know, I love, this sounds crazy, but I, I like to do funerals. Now, I don't like, you know, to see people suffering and grief, but but there's a joy in doing a funeral with somebody who has great faith. Who knows in whom they have believed, and they know that he is able. Because you know, when you're preaching that person's funeral, you know this person wouldn't change spaces with us, wouldn't, wouldn't trade places, not for any nothing in the world. They're in the presence of perfection. No suffering, no pain. All the suffering of the body ends. All your emotional cares, all your depression, all your worry, all your angst, it's all gone. Forever, for all eternity. F-A-E. As sleep relates only to the repose of the body. You, listen, when you're sleeping, I don't know if you know this, when you have a dream, sometimes that great grand dream that was this big long thing, it was like a movie playing out in your mind, that might have only been 15 seconds to a couple of minutes. Because when you're asleep, your mind is open to all the possibilities of life. So much greater a capacity when we are asleep. Your mind is still active when you're sleeping. Dreams and visions that you have in, in the nighttime when you're sleeping. They're grand and they're beautiful, sometimes scary. It's not that way. It's not that way in death. The body is still. And it's stiff. And it's cold. Sleep is just a temporary suspension of the physical powers. Listen, when you're sleeping, look, in a few hours, when you when you lay down, if you're a person who can actually sleep, when you lay down and all the, ah, let me ask you this. This would be something that some of you can identify with. You ever you ever fall asleep watching television, and then before you know it, television is watching you. And 
you weren't expecting to take a nap, but all of a sudden you wake up and you're a little bit disoriented. You didn't know what was happening. Anybody? But you just fell asleep. You didn't realize you were that tired. Ah, good clean water. Nothing better. You didn't realize you were that tired. You just, you fell asleep and it's hours later and there's been a time warp. <laughs> but when you wake up, you see and you hear and you'd go back to doing what you were doing, the stuff you have to do. Not so in death. Not so. Except for in the believer. Death can't annihilate our body. No matter how rough you die. Listen, if I died in that crash or died getting shot or died getting stabbed or died failed parachute, any of these things, car crashes, whatever, motorcycle crashes, my body might have been messed up pretty bad. Now, my body was messed up pretty bad in the car crash. But you know what? doesn't annihilate. Death can't annihilate my body. And it certainly can't annihilate my soul. What about in the morning of that great, some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. How about in the morning of this great day? The dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and shall live. They shall rise up out of those graves, just like Lazarus. They'll rise up out of those graves and they'll live for all eternity. What a scene. What a scene. Can you imagine when millions and millions of people will be nudged by the trumpet blast, the shofar, and immediately they will come forth at the call of the Lord. Man. Look, I want to just add this. Death, death only to the righteous. Listen, this does not apply to you. If you have not placed your faith, if you're still undecided, whether you believe in Jesus or not, this does not apply to you. This applies to the righteous, those who have placed their faith in Christ. Death to the righteous is a safe sleep. Folks, there's nothing to worry about. Death is a safe sleep. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Well, believer's dust is precious. Believer's dust is precious with God. You know what else? Those who have placed their faith in Christ, it's hopeful sleep. You lie down in hope that hope shall be realized to the full when that trumpet sounds. And God will call you home. And you know what? I don't, I, look, you may be in the grave a long time. I don't know. Many of you know folks that have gone to their reward and they're in the grave and they've been in the grave for many decades. But when that trumpet sounds, it's but a blink. Compared with eternity, it'll be just like a few minutes. Look, I'm going to tell you something. If you want to prepare for this kind of sleep, you better make some serious preparations. It is necessary that you prepare very seriously for this kind of sleep. Listen, you should think and reflect and prepare. Fear of God, faith in Christ, obedience to the divine will. These are all essential prerequisites. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. It's all essential, my friends. Give a listen to this right quick. 
Hey, happy warriors. This is the Ninja Pastor here. Quick break to mention another uh, partner of ours, Mr. David Partridge at Lieberman Early and Company in Wayne, Pennsylvania. David and I, uh, we recently shared a meal together, and we discussed his business, which is commercial real estate. Now, David focuses on southeastern Pennsylvania all the way up through the Lehigh Valley, and he deals with office, flex, and warehouse properties. And David mentioned during our conversation at dinner that he sees real optimism among the small and medium-sized business owners that he works with. A stronger economy coupled with the historically low interest rates. And what that's doing, that's allowing many businesses to own their property for close to the cost of leasing. And sometimes for less than the cost of leasing. What I want you to do is I want you to call my friend David Partridge at Lieberman Early and Company in Wayne, Pennsylvania to discuss these options. Look, the main number there to call Dave is 610-688-4300. Or visit www.liebermanearly.com. Mention you heard this on The Ninja Pastor, and David will provide a free market evaluation of your current property. Listen, folks, you can't beat that. Awesome, right? Nothing better. Nothing better. I'm telling you that right now. I mean, let me just say this. In order to have that, that beautiful sleep, remember when I said that safe, hopeful, and short sleep? You got to prepare. Think, reflect, and prepare. Fear God, faith in Christ, obedience to the divine. These are things that we have to do. But we have to learn some things first, and these are essential. The essential characteristics of true friendship with Christ. Friends in high places, faith in Christ, love to Christ, and communion with Christ. Man, let me just tell you, the darkest times of my life have been spent in Christ. In the craziest of places, in the darkest of places, in the most hopeless of places. And yet, it was beautiful. You know what? I'm going to share this with you right quick, and and look, think of me what you will. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I know what it's like to have plenty, and I know what it's like to have nothing. And I also know what it's like as a kid. You know, there were, there were some very lean times for me as a kid. And I remember the best Christmases. Were the Christmases where, my, where we got maybe two gifts and neither of them expensive. Of course, we got our comb and our box of life. Remember that box of lifesaver? Do they even sell those anymore? There's a little box of lifesaver, every kind of lifesaver you can imagine. Man, we love those things. Yeah, we got all kinds of stuff in there. In that little in that little stocking. But we got two gifts. Some Christmases. But you know what? My mom would get on the floor and she would play that little game. I had this thing called Harry Canary. You wind it up as a little airplane, had a little propeller, and it's tied to had a little tether to it and the little thing that rotated inside. Turn that prop. Man, it was fun. Mom and I moved now the little tiny thing. Mom and my mom's little tiny. Move the kitchen table, which if you know anything about my family, I had a big old thick heavy. My mom moved it so I'd have room to play. Favorite Christmas ever. Something stupid, something silly, something so pedantic as a little bitty gift, but playing with it with my mom. Nothing better. Nothing better. You want to be a good friend? You want to have good friends? You want to know what it's like to 
to have good friends, you had better be a good friend. Same is true with Christ. He'll keep all his promises to you. Every single one. He'll fail in no way. Lord, if only you to come, if you'd have been here in this place at this time, my brother wouldn't have died. Father, if you'd have just answered the way I said to answer this prayer, what I said I wanted, I wouldn't have this situation. We got to stop thinking in the natural. Because that's not, that's not God's limitation. We've got to have faith in Christ. We've got to love, give Christ our love, and we've got to commune with him as his friend. You get a text message with from Christ, you had better get up. Prayer without an agenda. Amen, David. You had better. Listen, Mary and Martha, you saw when they were called upon, they moved quickly. They moved quickly. And you saw Lazarus from the dead. He moved quickly. You better return the text message from your friend. You better return the phone call from your friend. Say, well, I'm not good at that. I'm not. I'm not good with that kind of community. You better, listen, if you want good friends, you had better get good at it. Now, some people will beat you to death with their text messages. Wearing you right out. Come on now. Be thoughtful. But be prompt with Christ. Don't let a message sit in your inbox without responding. Father, I heard you. I see. Listen. If you have faith in God, you believe in Jesus, you'll have that righteous sleep that I talked about. We get a rest for a while, a repose, as some of the writers say, of our wearied bodies. When we die, that's what we get. It's a rest for a while. Then we go into the grave with the blessed hope of a glorious resurrection, some glad morning. When this life is over, I'll fly away. But you know, there's a big difference. And if you're one of these folks, I'm going to tell you fence sitters need not apply. I'm being sincere with you now. I want you to understand the grave is not some temporary thing. For you, it is the prison of the undecided and the unconverted. You see, I face the same judgment that you do by a just God, and he doesn't play. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I will have my judgment, and then I will be placed for all eternity into the presence of an holy God. Perfected in the presence of Christ. What could be better than that? Jesus wept. I said that verse, John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. Lazarus, friend of Christ. Gone, dead. Christ is, is mingling with his sisters, his two sisters, Mary and Martha and his friends. He's mingling with them, and they understand death. They've seen death. They know they themselves face death. This new idea of you will rise again if you have faith in me.
verse 32, we have Yeshua, Jesus Christ, in the presence of the sisters, listening to this sorrowful story of Mary. She said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 32, he wouldn't have died. And then these people sitting Shiva all around them come out. These fellow Jews, these friends, these family, they come out and they're groaning and crying. And he's in the middle of it. Scripture says he groaned in his spirit. He was troubled. And then he asked, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And he went to the grave. And Scripture tells us Jesus wept. What a sad and pathetic. Jesus wept. So short, this scripture, so easy to memorize, yet so completely and totally comprehensive. What did the Jews do when they saw the tears of Jesus? They saw him crying. Listen, you don't believe that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live sinlessly as a man? So that he could be the Lamb of God, spotless without blemish, the final sacrifice. All these Jews saw the tears of Jesus, the very real Jesus, and they said, behold, how he loved him. What about these tears of Christ? What lessons can we learn of them? What is the character of the tears of Jesus? We know this. He wept as a human being. He wept as a man. Look, we always pound on this thing about the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was walking this earth. We can't get crazy with that now because this is one of the pillars of our Christian system. This is what we stand on. His manhood, made of a woman, truly a descendant of Adam and the seed of Abraham. He had all of our sympathies. Don't you think that Jesus had buried some folks in his lifetime? 33 years here on earth. I guarantee you he buried some folks in his lifetime. I guarantee it, my friends. I guarantee it. Don't let yourself feel for one moment that Jesus doesn't know your pain. Don't let yourself believe for one moment that Jesus doesn't know your sorrow. Don't think for one moment he doesn't know what it's like to be angst-ridden over what you don't know. He lived it. God made Christ's heart soft so that he may feel tenderness, that he may feel sympathy and empathy. I'm telling you this right now. I'm absolutely convinced that Jesus Christ stood at the tomb of many a folk in his 33 years here on earth. Tears falling down the cheek of the Savior. Let me tell you something. I've been known to cry once in a while. Let me say this to you. My brain injury, there's a um, PBA. Uh, it's a It's a pseudo bulbar, uh, uh, bulbar effect. And sometimes when you have a brain injury, which I have, uh, you laugh sometimes inappropriately, but more intensely. And you cry sometimes inappropriately or more intensely. And I have that. But I'll tell you this. 
Sometimes it takes a true man to say, you know what? This loss is great and worthy of weeping. You know what? Tears and grief are the price of love. We know this also about Christ. He wept as Lazarus' friend. He wept as his friend. We know Lazarus was one of his disciples. He followed him around. Mary and Martha called him teacher. He was his friend. He was their friend. A friend of the living son of man. With him, he had meals and conversations and laughter. You ever have a friend that no matter what you do or what you're doing, you don't care what you're doing. It's the best. It's the funnest. It's the most peaceful. It's the sweetest communion. That's what Lazarus had with him. But death separated them for a little while. Death broke the bond temporarily of Jesus and his friend Lazarus. Listen, it's normal and human to feel forever any of our friends that are in trouble, any kind of ordinary trouble, any kind of ordinary conflict, any kind of ordinary suffering. But then when we talk about death, the agonies of death, the stream of the Jordan, the turbid stream of the Jordan, the severe conflict with the very last enemy. Tears would rightly fall down the face of Christ, even though, can you imagine, he knew that his friend Lazarus would live again by his word. Come forth. But you know what? He was also the friend of Mary and Martha. Lazarus' sisters, they loved him. They needed him. He felt their pain of their loss, their sorrow. And he cared. And you know what? He cares about yours. Don't think God doesn't care about you. Don't think Jesus, the Holy Spirit of the living God, doesn't care about you. I want to remind you of something. Jesus not only wept as the Savior, but he wept as the Son of God. Here again, the power of sin from the garden degraded man into death. We were never intended to be sick. We were never intended to die. And yet sin seemingly had won again. The seemingly irreversible decree. Good versus evil. Right versus sin. But as Jesus Christ, the Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, he knew maybe Lazarus wasn't prepared to die. The Jews that were gathered around were about to witness a miracle. What are we taught by this miracle? That even the beloved saints of Christ must die. Listen, I'm going to die. You're going to die. Many of your loved ones are going to die. I don't like it any better than you do. The grief at the death of friends is a right and a sacred feeling. Listen, some of you say, man, I don't do funerals. Quit being weak. I don't go to funerals. Where were you at so-and-so's funeral? Mm, I didn't come. I, I didn't go. I didn't go. I don't do funerals. Man up. Woman up. Stop talking stupid. It's a beautiful thing to share the grief of your friends. Hey, listen, don't tell me you want to be there when they get a promotion. You want to have a party with them. Don't tell me, you know, their, their number hit and now they're rich. 
and you want to party with them, listen, when they're suffering, be by their side. We're not to sorrow as though we don't have hope. Be with them. Shed a tear. Here's a great example of that. The death of the saints, it isn't overlooked by Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of providence, Lord both of the living and the dead. Whether we live or we die, he orders all things. He is the keys of death. He is the keys to the grave. He holds the key. I want you to remember this too, that death itself is subject to our blessed Lord. I am the resurrection. I want you to see him standing there. I want you to see his amazing countenance. I want you to hear his voice. I want you to watch the influence of his voice. He called out to a man. He didn't do anything different than call out to the grave. And the grave broke forth. And Lazarus came forth alive, though he was bound. Jesus unbound him with only his voice. I want you to think of Resurrection Day. I want you to think, yeah, I talked about in the beginning how stuff is so messed up here on earth. It's so nuts how it is here. It's a mess. It's a mess. But Resurrection Day is coming. Time is expiring. Earth is reeling before us. And then the blast of the trumpet, the shofar, and the Savior comes. I want you to hear his mandate, my friends. I want you to hear his mandate. The earth bursts to life. It bursts to life. It explodes with the life of the creator. And millions upon the sound of the trumpet rise. Dead no more. Dark no more. Cold no more. Suffering no more. It is the first resurrection. And no matter what condition your body is in, Scripture tells us they are likened to Christ's glorious body. We ascend with him when he calls us home, and we will forever, for all eternity, be with the Lord. I want you to know this, that Christ's presence can alone sanctify the bereavements of life. Just him being with us as our friend. I, I, I gave you an example. Listen, when your friend is suffering in some way, when they suffer a great loss, I want you to consider picking up what you're doing and going to them and being by their Well, I don't know what to say. Say nothing. Or say, I love you. And I'm so sorry this has happened in your life. You matter to me. And that's why I had to be here. Let me tell you something. You know, when I was in the hospital, um, you know, I didn't know that I had died. That's the dumbest question in the world. Somebody asked you, well, were you unconscious at any point? It's the dumbest question in the world. It's, it's, it's borders on malpractice because the unconscious don't know they're unconscious. The dead don't know they died. The living don't know they died. All we know is that we're here now. That's it. It's the only concept we have. I tell you something, so many people, many listening to this show right now, many listening to this message right now were by my side. Some were there 
before I arrived at the hospital. Can you imagine? And you know, I want you to understand what it felt to me, what it felt like to me to look up and to see them there and to know I was loved, to know I was valued. And you know what Christ is with us when we are in sickness or injury. We can seek the very special and perfect presence and the grace of Christ. The darkest of times, he will come. And you know what? When we've lost somebody so precious to us, call upon the presence and grace of Christ. He will come. Invite him to come, and he will be here. He won't allow you to go through it alone. Your earthly friends may fail to get in the car or get on the plane and come be by your side. But you know what? Christ will be with you, and he'll help you bear the sorrow. I'm telling you. He will. He'll be a blessing to you in the darkness of loss. You know what? Christ and Christ alone can be with us and can be all we need when friends and our family die. I'm going to tell you really quickly, my brother, look, sometimes you don't have control like you think you do. My father and I were not particularly close. He was a hard man. But in the, in the waning years and waning decade of his life, he gave up alcohol, and he, and he, he truly um, was a different man. Christ changed his life through salvation. And when he gave up alcohol, I'm telling you, everything changed. It was amazing to watch him care for my mother. My mother was very sick, and he sacrificed everything else to beautifully and wonderfully care and tenderly care for her. And But you know what? We weren't that close, but at his... At his casket, you know, uh, I was sitting in the chair, and the and the, and the and the funeral director calls out to the crowd and says to the family, "You may come forward. We're about to close the casket. You may come forward and pay your final respects." I got up there, and you know, I didn't really realize who I was with or who was beside me. I assumed it was my family, and to my left was my brother Randy. He's he's my oldest brother. My sister, Kathy, is my favorite and only sister. She's the oldest. I'm the youngest. And you know, as I stood there, I remember it right now. As I stood there at that casket, standing over a man that, that during most of his life and most of my life, I was not particularly close. And yet, I had the beauty to understand him better in the final years of his life. I'm telling you, I did not see this coming. I did not feel it coming. I had no control. Suddenly, my knees buckled and sounds came out of my body that I did not manufacture. I was groaning in sorrow and I didn't even know it. My brother Randy caught me and held me close. And reminded me, he suffered no more. Because I am telling you, just as we talked about Rip passing and the and the and the loss, cancer is an evil, awful product of the fallen world. God can be more to us 
than a father or mother or brother and sister for the true believer. If you believe, the scriptures tell us he is all and in all, the chiefest among 10,000, all of our salvation and all of our desire. Give a quick listen to this. We'll be right back. Now, I'm pleased to say a few words about one of our partners, Second Call Defense. The Second Amendment affirms our right to, among other things, keep and bear arms. Yet, what happens when we're forced to use our firearms in self-defense, even if we don't fire the weapon? The service that I endorse to protect you against this is Second Call Defense. If I have to use lethal force to defend myself or my family, I can call them immediately anytime, 24 hours a day. I don't have to face the legal system alone, which, as you know, is biased against firearms. Should an incident happen, practicing attorneys who specialize in Second Amendment issues and crisis managers, even, they're on call, and they'll speak to law enforcement on my behalf to ensure my rights are protected. Within 24 hours, a criminal defense attorney will be retained for me, and if needed, bail money will be wired to help me avoid being held in custody. I then speak to my own personal retained attorney to work on my defense. I know that Second Call Defense has my back at one of the most challenging times that we can ever face as citizens. They can have your back, too. Contact Second Call Defense through theninjapastor.com. Click on the red banner at the bottom for a whole month free on me. Don't wait. The resurrection of Lazarus. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. John eleven thirty six 36 through 46 tells the story. Behold how he loved him. Look, we already witnessed the mighty power of Christ in raising the ruler. You remember that? The, the ruler's daughter from the bed of death. The widow's son from death as they were bearing him to the tomb. And now we're remembering and beholding the resurrection of Lazarus from the tomb. He'd been dead four days. Jesus talked about how Lazarus was his friend. He'd met with and comforted, comforted the, the understandably grief-stricken sisters, Mary and Martha. But you know what? He didn't stop it there. He didn't stop it there. The, this didn't stop there. No, it did not. He announced, Lazarus will rise again. Oh, sure, he wept with the mourners at the tomb, but his work wasn't finished. His majesty was not finished being on display. He stood ready to give the mandate, the command. His words recalled the dead to life. Man, I want you to picture this in your head. This is the scene. He comes to the grave in verse 38. He comes to the grave. In that grave, this guy was dead and dying. The dead and smelly reality of our fallen world. The dead earth tent of Lazarus. Man, how about that? The cave. What a description. The house appointed for all living, Scripture says. In other words, we're all going to end up in the grave. You had better believe it. How humble, how low. Dug out of the very earth that God the Father himself created. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. 
small. It wasn't some huge thing. It wasn't a mansion. It was just a few feet in either direction. It was dank. It was dirt. It was a cave. It was silent. No laughter. No joy proceeding from it. It was dark, silent, and dreary. And we in our natural, in the way we think naturally, it should be appalling and terrifying. None of us sit around and talk about, you know, I'll be glad when I get in that grave. I'll be glad when I get in that cave that's got a stone rolled in front of it. Can't wait. And yet, all across the world, there are graves. Very similar. There are many dead folk. You know what? You could even say that the, that the earth is, is just like one great, huge graveyard. And the grave rests upon the foundation. Listen, our foundations in the natural rest upon the sin in the garden. Rebellion. Rebellion dug the grave. And you know what? Had it not been for that sin, that one defiance and rebellion of God, we would not know what a graveyard looked like because we wouldn't have needed them. But you know what? Here, here's what happens when we look at the power of sin. It ruins our nature. It ruins who we are. But you know what? Thanks be to God. It, we don't have to be eternally imprisoned in death because Jesus stands in the balance. And he raises us to life. Listen, we're given some directions. I don't want you to think that we're without directions. And Jesus did the direction right here at the tomb. He ordered the removal of the stone from the mouth of the tomb. Martha's doubt seemed to arise. She said, oh, hold on now. It's going to stink. Sure, I want to see my brother again, Lazarus, whom I love. But he's gone four days. And stuff, nasty stuff happens to the body. And we don't like to think about it. And you know what? As Jews, they can't touch the dead outside of preparing the dead. That's it. And don't touch the dead again. And yet, the Redeemer, the Redeemer came forth in such divine glory. Power and goodness of Jehovah, the great God, not a great God, but the great God, not an amazing God, but the amazing God. And that was Christ's mission, to show us the resurrection in his name. And then they removed the stone, my friends. They removed the stone, and Jesus communicated with his Father. He lifted his eyes toward heaven and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. The Father and Son are one. They are one in nature, one in purpose and design. He always prayed in accordance with the will of his Father. And his father was delighted here to hear and grant his request. And he honored his father as we should honor our fathers by acknowledgement and thanksgiving. I want you to notice the power he exerted. He communed with God and then he, Jesus, cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Said with an exclamation point, not a question mark. Said with an exclamation point, 
and not a dot, dot, dot. You know, he prayed to the Father. I don't want you to miss this. He prayed to the Father, but he doesn't raise Lazarus in his Father's name. He doesn't say, in the name of God the Father, come forth. No, he says, Lazarus, come forth. He did it by his own command. And you know what? His voice pierced the caverns of the dead. It extended to the spirit of the deceased. And the imparted life came from the voice of the living God through Christ and Lazarus. King James says it really beautifully. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. I don't care what sin you are dealing with. I don't, whatever hurt, habit, or hang up, I am telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you, there's nothing that you are dealing with, including death, that Christ cannot attend to and fix. You know, I, I wonder what you would think if you were standing there, if you were the friend sitting Shiva, and all of a sudden, this dead man in his grave clothes comes forth. I bet that would shock you to see that. Listen, this was a miracle of indisputable reality. The folks that were there, no, there was no rushing collusion or otherwise. There was no collusion pretending, no sandwich in the grave keeping them alive. There was no deception. It was out of the question. They saw him buried and they saw him rise. And it all happened because Jesus Christ spoke a word. My friend, of all the miracles Christ did, this was one of the most extraordinary miracles. One of the most stupendous things he did while on earth. But I want you to consider, even though this act, this miracle produced faith in some who believed it. In verse 45, it talks about that. Yet the chief priests and the Pharisees, listen, they were prejudiced. They had envy and worry over Christ, power that he would take away from them. And they thought immediately, Let, how are we going to kill this guy? We got to put this guy to death. The mind and the natural. The mind and the natural. Oh, my friends, don't be spellbound by the prejudice and the love of sin. You guys all know, if you've been listening any length of time, the Michael Strange Foundation and Charlie and Marianne Strange and all the Gold Star families, that's a cause that's close to my heart and something I believe you'd be interested in supporting as well. This foundation focuses on the Voices for Silent Heroes and provides unconditional support and services to the families of recently fallen service members by professionals, one of whom is me, in several fields and also by those who have suffered similar losses so that the healing process can begin. But more importantly, the Michael Strange Foundation focuses on healing the family after the initial and intense outpouring of support and love from family and friends after that's passed. Many face these most difficult times in the weeks and months afterwards when loneliness, sorrow, anger, and loss seem to be the survivor's only companions. That is when the Voices for Silent Heroes and the Michael Strange Foundation rise to the challenge, and they do it beautifully. 
and they provide the difficult and enduring care and outreach that has meant such a difference to so many Gold Star families and allowed them to stay together through the most intense grief associated with the loss of fallen service members. What I want you to do is I want you to visit the Voices for Silent Heroes at www.michaelstrangefoundation.org or click on the link to my website, theninjapastor.com, to learn more. And please consider a donation to support their important work. I know these people personally, and I love them dearly. Thank you for helping them do what they do. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about the glory and dominion of Christ. He had the keys to hell and death. And whatever he can open, no other man can shut. Power and authority to everything in the world, to all worlds. He's the Lord of everything, not of some. The resurrection of the soul dead in sin. Here's the emblematical representation of the resurrection of the soul dead in sin. He quickens by his power and word those who are dead in trespasses and sin. That's you and me, folks. If we become his friend, and if we listen. You know, this is this is a miniature view of the final resurrection. That voice which awoke Lazarus, look, that's going to awake the slumbering multitudes at the last day, the millions upon millions that died in their belief, who will be raised at the voice of the Son of God and live. Oh, my goodness, my friends. Oh, my goodness. Do you, do you even hear what I'm saying? You know, there are many people out there. I know this to be true. I receive between 26 and 28,000 emails per week. And I can tell you, many of them are from people that say, Dr. Sean, I, I, I know that I should have heard this story, and maybe I have, but it just, what do I do now? What's next? You remember those commercials, the, the, uh, the monitor, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, a crime uh, fighter. I'm a crime monitor. I don't do anything, just like the dentist, you know. No, I'm not a uh, dental, I'm not a dentist. I'm a, a dental issue monitor. I'm not sure how exactly that goes, but they just don't do anything. They observe it. Well, we're not left like that. We're not, we're not left in a lurch like that. God says, place your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe that he is the risen son. Believe that he lived 33 years on this earth. That he healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He made to walk and run and dance to the lame. And he resurrected the dead. I place my faith in them. I believe in Jesus, and I will testify to his name. I ask forgiveness for my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And as I go through life, I ask that you help me through those things. And I believe I'll be re reunited with you one day, made perfect in your presence for all eternity. Amen. 
I'd love with a person with 11 years of postgraduate education, I'd love to make it fancier or in some way bigger than that. But I'll tell you what, it's every bit as simple. It's every bit as simple as that. I talked in the opening how messed up the world is and how important it is to have friends, good friends and good family to do life with because times are getting times are getting tough. And you need a good friend. And you need family, great family. There's no better friend than Jesus. No friend like the Father. I would encourage you. You know, at, at 6.17 and 59 seconds, I was driving along, anticipating protecting Newt Gingrich and, and Tim Tebow in only four days. And in a split second, they say one one hundredth of a second. My whole life changed. I thought I was just going home to have dinner, but I wasn't. The Smith family thought that their son Andre would be home soon, but he didn't. And he wasn't. Everything changed. In a split second, everything changes. I want you to think about how many people you know right now that are living on borrowed time. I'm living on borrowed time. The myriad of health issues are critical. And at any moment, I could be gone. Don't let what happened to me happen to you. Don't be unprepared. Please don't be unprepared. There's an old hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. Don't think that you have to have some sort of seminary degree and understand everything there is to understand before Christ will accept you. He'll, he'll accept you just like you are, just like I was. Trust me, I'm no better. I'm no better. Remember the thief on the cross, the one guy, they all deserve to be there except for Jesus. But the one guy, he hurled insults. He, he made fun of Christ. He cursed him. You're supposed to be the Christ. Why don't you, why don't you, what in the world are you doing on this cross? If you're that guy, why don't you bring and bring us down to? The other guy said, Father, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he did. I, remember that this, this guy didn't have time to get everything just right. To make everything perfect. He didn't. He showed didn't. He had but a moment. Communion. With a new and eternal friend. Oh my goodness. Friends in high places. Friends in high places. How beautiful. How beautiful. What about you? What about you? What about you? I tell you, some folks tell me, and this is me, I'm, I'm going to be real, real with you. 
I think to myself, why in the world would would God send his son to die for somebody like me, some messed up dude like me? What in the world? Why in the world would he do it? I know what a bad guy I can be. I know about all my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And yet he did. Don't be that person that thinks you're too bad to be redeemed. Listen, if he can call forth with words to a grave, by a person been dead for four days, he can call forth to the grave that is our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and he can redeem us into eternity. If you want help with that, it's so simple. You know, most folks don't need help with it. If you need help with that, contact me through the website, theninjapastor.com, through the contact me. It'll come to me, provide your contact information, and I'll reach out to you, and I'll personally work with you on this. And don't wait. Do not wait. My goodness. Don't wait. What a beautiful thing, salvation. For all eternity. If you prayed that prayer, let us know about it. Contact us through the show page. Contact us through the ninjapastor.com, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. At the Ninja Pastor on Twitter. I'm all over Facebook. LinkedIn, all that stuff. Contact us and let us know. We'll work with it. If you don't have a Bible, I'll see to it you have a Bible. Don't you worry. You'll have a Bible. And you'll have help with it. We'll link you up no matter where you are. I've got friends all over the world, my friends. Friends all over the world. We'll see to you. You get the help you need. I want you to think about this for a minute, too. Folks, as we wrap up today's show, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen and share this show. Uh, and also, I want to remind you to visit our partners, thelogox.com, Lieberman Early, Second Call Defense, and the Michael Strange Foundation. And I'd like you to please subscribe to The Ninja Pastor at www.theninjapastor.com. Please consider a donation of $50 and receive my newsletter plus a signed book that I wrote called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, and my ebook Living Through Grief on Purpose, sent right to your inbox. In addition to the newsletter and books, donations above $500 receive all of the above, and they receive my personalized bound and signed book of all my favorite photographs that I've shot. Uh, that, to me, really reveal God's glory in nature and affirm much of what we discuss here at the Ninja Pastor. Lastly, I want you to remember that I reach over 1.4 million listeners with every time I'm on the radio reach of over 500,000 people each time I host this show. And if you'd like to reach people who share your values and who you would like to buy uh, from like-minded companies, please contact me at theninjapastor.com and to discuss any sponsorship or partnership opportunities. Thanks again so much for listening, and God bless you, and God bless America. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. 
and at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.